This is an Our Savior Evangelical Free Church podcast. To learn more, visit osefc.org. God, I thank you for the use of this technology. I ask now that the thoughts I've prepared and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for you are indeed my rock and my redeemer. And God, as we go through this unprecedented time, the life of our church, and for many of us in the uh, history of our uh, country, at least as long as most of us have been alive or can remember, I pray that you will give us grace, that you will bring healing and peace and comfort. Do that now through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I just want to walk you a little bit through my thought process throughout the week. Like many of you, I followed the news Things were changing by the hour, and as recently as Wednesday or Thursday, I knew that I wanted to say something to you from God's Word that would strengthen our faith and bring comfort, but then things began to shift, and it seemed like we wouldn't be able to meet together, and I knew then that I not only wanted to do that, I wanted to bring something from God's Word that would comfort you, I had to do that, but I also felt like I wanted to do something that gave us a sense of rhythm, a sense of normalcy. And so first what I want to do is I want to just bring us some comfort from God's word in this unprecedented time. And then second, I want to keep going in Nehemiah. I felt like the rhythm would be good and I felt like something particular for this moment was also right for us. And so my prayer was just, Lord, if there is some way that we could do that together, If sovereignly and gracefully you had built it in, when we had planned this three months ago, that would just be amazing. And it would even be a way that would build my own faith and I hope the faith of our church. Now, really quickly, I'm not going to tell you, I'm I'm not going to tell you that the passage we chose months ago for this Sunday is perfect for this, Um, especially because of some great irony in the first line. But I do think that Nehemiah 8, 1 to 12, in the sovereignty of God and by his grace is where we should be this morning. And so I I think we can do both just from Nehemiah 8, 1 to 12. So if you've got your Bible right there, put it in Nehemiah, follow along, read along with me. I want us all to be here together and listen (coughs) listen as I read. Nehemiah 8, 1. This is, this is why it's great. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. I mean, you can't make that up, that this is our text for this morning. They all gathered together. We're not doing that, obviously. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. And in the presence of the men and women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. So Ezra the priest, who led a previous return to Jerusalem from exile, now that the work of rebuilding is done, Nehemiah is going to, in a sense, he's going to give way to Ezra, at least to the kind of work that Ezra does. And so Ezra 
Ezra also led a return of a group of people from exile. He is going to um, not be an administrator like Nehemiah, but he's a holy man. He's a spiritual leader. He's a priest. And he's going to do, he's going to take over the mantle of leadership, and he's going to do that by pointing people to the word of God. So verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now the simplest way to describe this is there is real worship happening here. Amen, it's just a word that means so be it or I agree. But what's happening here is this is not just a bunch of people sitting in a pew saying, oh, that's a good point you're making. These are people who are on their feet with their hands in the air and they are shouting, yes, let it be that way. And just so we're clear, the standing and the hand raising and the shouting, that's not during the music. It's during the reading of God's word. There are spiritual leaders there helping to make application for the people. And so they're they're saying, this means this for your life, and you should be like this in response to the Word of God. That's that's sort of the situation. That's what's happening among the people. And it was a planned event. There's a platform built for this purpose. So look down at verse 9 now, Nehemiah 8, 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. So the word of God is now being read, and presumably the people have not been living according to its way, and they are grieved by that. First, let's just be clear. It's not a bad thing to be grieved when the word of God is read, and you recognize that you're not fully in step with that. To some extent, that should happen in our minds and in our hearts. And when the, then when the people hear the word of God and the Spirit gives understanding, and this won't happen all the time, because sometimes when people hear the word of God, they don't have any understanding. But when the Spirit illuminates, when, it gives, when he gives understanding that there has been sin and there has been complacency and there has been outright defiance, sins of omission, not just of commission, then godly men or women will be grieved by that because the teaching and instruction is a gracious gift from God. It's to be known and it's to be obeyed by his people for their good and, and for their joy. And that, when that hasn't happened for a long time, when it hasn't been taken seriously or followed, that is cause for grief. But grief isn't supposed to be the end result If that's where we stop, we miss the point. We miss the most important parts. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The picture in Hebrews 4 is something like a surgeon's scalpel. The word of God cuts deep, But it does that so that what is hidden by the outer layers can be exposed and brought to light. A couple of years ago, I had an infection under my skin that needed to be removed. 
it caused a lot of pain to have that surgery. But once my body was opened up, the infection could be cut out, and my body could then heal itself properly. And that's the picture here. A deep cut, but not ultimately for pain, so that the problem can be exposed and healing can begin. The Word of God does three basic things for us. It shows us first who God is. He's holy and just. Secondly, the Word of God shows us who we are. We're created in His image, valuable, but filled with, a, filled with sin that separates us from Him. And then God's Word, thirdly, shows us what God has done to redeem us from sin. Think of what it says in Isaiah 53. By His wounds, His, the, the Messiah's, Jesus, we are healed. By His wounds, we are healed. It's the same picture of wounds, but in this case, he's the one who's wounded. We're the ones who are healed. Amazing. He is the one who is cut open so that we are the ones who can be made right. And so what Nehemiah then does next is tell the people, this is not what's happening there in the square, finally an occasion for sorrow. It's an occasion for rejoicing. In verse 10, it says this should be a a holy day because God is doing a great work among his people. And then Nehemiah gets them ready to celebrate a festival that hadn't been widely celebrated for a long time. And he does that by reminding them. Look at what what he reminds them. The Lord is their strength. And so then in, in verse 11, you can see the Levites tell the people not to be grieved, but to rejoice and celebrate the goodness of the Lord. All this happened in response to the Word of God. That's what I wanted to do then now with the rest of our time today. I want to just read the Word of God over us, maybe making a few small applications or bits of instruction like was done on this day. And I want us to rejoice over the Word, under the Word, and through the Word. You know, I thought of all kinds of places that I could go in the Bible to do this. And actually, it gave me so much encouragement as I began to think, oh, I could go here, and I could do this, and we could go to this. Whole chapters, individual verses, whole books of the Bible that could be read. And I began, I just thought of passage after passage, chapter after chapter. My own spirit was lifted thinking, Lord, your word is full of places that we could go to rejoice over you, even in the midst of uncertainty, even in the midst of something that is unprecedented. I could go to almost innumerable places in Scripture for hope and for encouragement and to say that we don't have a spirit of fear, but to live in, with faith in God. I could go all over the Bible to do that. And that lifted me in such a great way. And so I just, I just want to pick out three Just three passages that I want to read you, few short comments that I want to make, but I could do this from every single book of the Bible. We could see the goodness and the faithfulness of God. I picked three, two Psalms and one place from the New Testament. The first place I want to go is Psalm 91. I'm just going to read you a few verses, but it seems like a psalm that was written for this occasion. Read the whole thing later today, Psalm 91. Verse 1 begins, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. I'm going to stop there. Like I said, read the whole thing. We all need this psalm this week. All I want to say about it is that when we read things like this in the Bible, we should hold two great truths in our hands. It is very much within God's sovereign power to keep us from harm. It's clear here. He has the power to keep us from here, from harm. And I have been praying, and I, I would enjoy, invite you to join me in praying over our church family that he would do just that. I pray that he would keep us safe and he would keep us from harm. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. But more so when I read a psalm like this, I think of what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The psalm isn't as much a promise that we will never fall ill. It is a much better promise, a much fuller promise that no matter what befalls us, anything in this world that befalls us, God will never leave us and he will save us through his son Jesus Christ. He never lets any go from his hand who he has called. That's a much better promise than keeping me from just this or just that. He'll keep me from everything and he has in Jesus Christ. A second place that I want to go. Colossians 1 verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Neither this virus nor any other earthly power compares to God. All things are held together in him. Praise be to his glorious name. Things are not coming apart. They are held all in him. Things are not unraveling. He has them all exactly where he wants them. In Christ Jesus, everything is subjected under him. Finally, a place of comfort for Christians throughout the centuries. The 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
The emphasis in this is on the blessing, certainly, that it is to know and the peace that comes for the believer in Jesus Christ. But look at what he does. It's him who does this. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside still waters. It's God who restores our soul. He will lead us in paths of righteousness. Folks, if you wonder, where do I go? What do I do? You follow him and you trust him. He will do it. And so this week, keep your mind set on him and his ways. Look to him. Ask Jesus to lead you, the good shepherd, who lays down his life for the sheep so that you can lay down in green pastures. Our hope is sure in him, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our hope and our promise. I just want to tell you, give you a couple of things this week, ways to do this, ways to worship, ways to keep our hope in God pressed into Him. So what should we do this week? If you're at home, if you're going to stay home, work from home, be home, not go to school, all of those things, here are just a few things. Number one, use this time for rest and reflection. Use it to uh, just take a different pace to life. This will offer us an opportunity to be reflective. And so, I think you should have personal or family worship daily. Read the Bible. Pray together. Sing. You can read the book of Nehemiah if you want to. If you're in a reading plan, do that. But this is where kind of the unusual limitations of this time could be used by God for our good. Maybe you read a gospel out loud together with your family. Take Luke, for instance, and you just read a few chapters every day out loud. If you have kids, have them act out some of the events. You can do that with adults too. And in fact, if you do that with adults, we would love to see videos of the adults acting out the Bible stories. That would be fun. Number two, get outside. Get outside. It helps us to remember the glory of God when we can go out and see not only the beauty of his creation, but just how vast it is. Nothing I've read from from any doctors or other government leaders has said that we should not go outside. It might be a little chilly. Put on a coat and a hat. Make yourself a cup of coffee. Go out in the backyard and be still. Sit down and let these words of the 23rd Psalm wash over you. Listen to the birds. Listen to the wind. And listen to the Lord. Be still before Him. Take a walk. I guess it's best that we keep our distance from one another. We can go outside. Number three. (coughs) Express gratitude to the Lord. We were on a walk yesterday. My wife Holly said, let's just say some things that we are grateful to God for. We have so much to be thankful for, she said, and she was right. And so we just listed, our family just listed some things that we were grateful to God for. Express your gratitude to the Lord. Maybe you make a list and put it on your refrigerator, keep it at your house. Another thing, reach out to other people. You will likely have some extra time. Call each other. You can send a text or a DM, but consider an old-fashioned phone call or do a FaceTime or something like that. People will need encouragement. Ask them how you can help them. And that leads me to my last thing. Let's look for ways to serve. 
One group that's been on my mind are, are men and women in medical professions. If there are more cases, nurses and doctors will probably need to work overtime. And it won't just be hard on them in that respect, it'll be a sacrifice for their families. And so I've just been thinking of ways that can we encourage and bless the medical community for working on our behalf? What about your neighbors, especially those who are at higher risk? Ask them how you can help or what they need. If you're going to the store, ask if you can pick things up for them so they don't have to go themselves. Make sure they have the things that they need and, all the, and they're well supplied. Share with one another. If you're lacking something, reach out. Let people in our church know we'd love to share together. There's so many great testimonies of the church banding together, serving the community, meeting needs beyond themselves, and I would love to hear great testimonies in this time of need of our church doing that same thing. I could read you a verse from every book of the Bible. Most of them have chapters, verses upon verses, where God promises to be with us. He has not abandoned us. His love is steadfast and sure. We will hope in him together this week. If you need anything from us in the office, from your pastors, please reach out. We definitely want to talk with you. One of the things that I didn't mention, you may have noticed oftentimes we collect an offering uh, during our worship services. Obviously, we can't do that. If you would like to use our online giving option, you can do that. If you want to get in contact with us on the page where you're finding this live stream, there's a contact info where you can get a hold of us. Uh, you can mail in an offering, things like that. Um, uh, the, the giving option is a great online. It's totally secure and everything like that. So um, you can do that in that way. We want to reach out to you. We want to be with you. We're going to be reaching out to a lot of you. We're also going to be putting things on um, out through email, ways to uh, get some prayer requests in and share news to one another. We're thinking through uh, how we can be creative and innovative. We want to use the means at our disposal for the glory of God. Let's pray together. It's just right where, where you are. Bow your head and pray with me. And then we will finish this live stream. Again, I just want to thank you for joining us. It's irregular, but I'm so glad that we could do this. I miss you, and I look forward to being together as soon as we can. Let's pray. God, you are a great, mighty God, strong and able. Our hope is in you and our trust is in you. Father, we pray for the sick among us, those who are ill from other things and those who may fall ill from this new virus. We pray for the medical community that you would give them strength, and they would not be overwhelmed. I pray that those who are believers in you would be able to offer the hope and encouragement of you and of your goodness to their colleagues. I pray that our church would be well. God, I pray that you would keep the members of our church healthy and safe, and that you would do the same thing for our loved ones. I pray that the most vulnerable among us, especially, would be kept from getting this disease. And God, we pray that this would pass quickly, that we might be able to meet together soon. I pray that our church, as they reach out, would encourage one another and bless one another and walk with one another through pain and hardship, rejoicing with one another as well. This we do is so to fulfill the law of Christ. 
So until we gather together, whether virtually online or in person, I ask that you would continue to bless our Savior, church. You have never left us. You will never forsake us. You are always with us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. It's been great to be with you in this way. I look forward to serving you in any way I can. Please reach out. Till the next time we're able to talk, God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Our Savior Evangelical Free Church is a congregation located in Wheeling, Illinois. Our vision can be summed up in four words. Building community, bringing Christ. To learn more about what these words mean, visit our website at osefc.org.